Yo, Greatest Show on Dirt, live from the Sweet Bee Studios. Yo, this is Quentin on the mic, man. We're about to talk some mad Cubs baseball with my boy Kyle Mazan over at Cubs Live. You can find him on Twitter, at Cubs underscore live. And actually, I'm starting this podcast fresh, man. And I'm about to dial him up right now, man. So here we go, dude. Let's call my boy, man. This is big time calls over here. This is what we do. This is what we do on the podcast, man. Make things happen. What's up, my man? Oh, yo, what up, dude? What's up, what's up? Ah, shit, we back, man. All right, man, let me adjust your dude, volume a little bit, man. Let's get this thing Mic check, mic check. Yeah, I tested a lot of it, man, before we started, man, because it seems like every time we have a call, I spend the first 15 minutes <laughs> fucking everything up. So dude, like, you're good, let's man. Get this thing you are up. good. Okay, you are in the red. Okay, give me something again, man. Say something cool. All right, mic check, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Mic check, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. My check, my check, my check. One, two, we three, got you, four, man. five. All right, I'm perfect, sweet. dude. Okay, let's do this thing, man. What's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios, man. And finally, finally, my man is back on the line. Kyle Malzon over at Cubs Live Twitter at Cubs underscore Live. Kyle, what is up, my man? What's up, my man? I mean, dude, it's been so long, but yet again, baseball is just around the corner next month there's games so i'm jacked and dude. i cannot wait to talk some cubs baseball with you my man dude i'm it's it honestly the off season's gone by so fast and all of a sudden like yeah. pitchers and catchers are reporting in 30 days and the second christmas was over man i got that feeling of like spring baseball and i'm like holy shit like we're back dude and we've got like another yep. like exciting season of like Cubs 2019 baseball and truth be told man like I think the season's going to be huge man there's going to be a lot of big rebounds and with any sport dude like injuries can riddle a team from year to year and baseball's not like your ordinary sport man I feel like baseball's the one sport to where you know you're talking 162 games everything's got to be consistent and perfect and if it's not a lot of times you'll see teams suffer you know yeah Absolutely. I mean, the crazy thing about baseball is you fail more than half of the time, and that is considered succeeding in baseball. So yeah. you're you're failing more than you succeed. So it's such a crazy sport, and it's a mental grind. I mean, these athletes, man, they go through so much in a 162-game season. Dude, they even – so Kyler Murray, man, that kid who just won the Heisman yeah. for Oklahoma, dude, he went on about – like after he won his Heisman, he was like – Dude, baseball is so much harder to be in there, you know, let alone a 162-game season plus spring training plus the postseason plus offseason work. It kind of doesn't stop, man. It's like you get just enough time off to get married and do your thing, and then, like, you're back <laughs> at the grind again, dude. Like, it's it's ultimately, like, it's the ultimate mental and physical game, man, where, like, you can't go out there. Like, no disrespect to any other sport, but you can't, like, take a break and rest mentally and then go back out and play your sport. With baseball, like, you have to adjust mentally and physically on the fly because it's so constant. Yeah. I mean, dude, think about this. We're just talking about major league. Can we talk about minor league? You have to go through three or four steps to get to the major league debt. So. So instead of when you get drafted out of college, like all these, you know, NFL, NBA superstars, you're going to the pros and MLB, half of those guys aren't even going to make it. I would say 80% of those guys aren't going to make it. So, dude, it is a grind for sure. Dude, because it's in baseball, man. Like if you're the if you're a first round pick or even a first overall pick in baseball, buddy, you're getting on a bus. You're going to like (laughs) Iowa or Tennessee or Birmingham or whatever team you're drafted with. Like you're eating your lunch on a bus outside of like a like a gas station bag because you're probably eating like peanuts and beef jerky. Like there's no team (laughs) chef when you're in the minor leagues, man. There's a gas station where it's like if you buy a pizza, you get a free large drink. Like that's your meal, man. Like there's nothing about it, dude. I know okay, they get they they also get paid dirt cheap, so I Holy mean, crap, dude, it's a man. grind for sure. Yeah, dude. Oh, dude. So tell me about what you got going on, man. Like, I get on Cubs Live, and you've got like dang near twenty thousand followers, dude. I'm pretty sure since the last time we talked, you've been on television, actual television again, dude. What's going on with Cubs Live, man? Yeah, man. I mean, Cubs Live has really progressed over the last year. Um, you know, a few TV appearances, a lot of podcasting. Uh, I have a great team of writers and Mark Tellerico. He's my co-host of our podcast. He helps me out with a bunch of stuff, but just social media engagement, man. I mean, this past uh, past month, this fall, I reached over 5 million people. So it was a huge month for us and a huge year for Cubs Live to grow 
uh, moving forward. And just my personal life, you know, I, I kind of want to start merchandise and stuff like that. But I have a lot going on too. my personal life. You know, Cubs Live is kind of a side little business that I do. And I, I love giving the fan side of reporting to everybody else, you know, letting them know whatever is happening in Cubs baseball, Cubs world, in the fans' eye view. And that's what I think is rewarding. But in my personal life, man, I mean, I just finished an, finished an internship this past summer with a summer collegiate team. They ended up winning the World Series, got a World yeah, Series ring, which was phenomenal. Um, I work at a new station in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and then next summer I'm headed off to – or this upcoming summer in 2019, I'm headed up to Rochester, Minnesota, where I will be covering the Northwoods League as a whole as a broadcaster on-air talent for their pregame show. So uh, if you're ever attending a Northwoods League game and you see me out there covering it, uh, make sure you say hi to me. Uh, I love I love talking baseball, like you say. So, yeah, man, I mean, Cubs Live is really taking off. We're almost at 14,000 followers, but the engagement from everybody else, it, it's growing at a rapid pace, and it's crazy to see everybody everybody showing love and support, and it's been awesome. And Look, I, I get to do these awesome opportunities like talking baseball with you, so I cannot complain one bit. Dude, don't forget about us when you're famous, man. Dude, I'm so <laughs> pumped for you, dude. Like, you're the first guest I ever had on – my podcast that wasn't a like a family relative dude and i remember it man because i was on my honeymoon dude in mexico and i get a message from someone it's like dude like can i be on your podcast like let's get together and i'm like oh crap this is awesome and i was so (laughs) nervous because i i initially like i'm recording this podcast like my wife was my co-host dude and we would just get on there and goof off and i'm like oh shit man this is for real like someone wants to be on the podcast dude so dude i appreciate you coming on man because you've been huge for my podcast alone because i've benefited a lot from a lot of your Cubs followers that came over and followed me because I'll post some Cubs stuff. Dude, and I see the stuff you do on there, man, and you're um like your interaction, man, with people on social, dude, it's always up to the minute. It's very consistent. It's very fast, which I think is huge because like what you had mentioned, you just kind of want to be there from the fan perspective. And that's what people get with you, man. It's not this filtered like MLB.com. Like we're just going to give it to you. Like, you know, in the PR way that we have to, like it's real stuff, you know? And that's what I love about it, man. Like it's, it's cut and dry. It's straight to the point. It's very conversational and interactive. And I love it, man. Following you, dude, is a blast let alone having you on the pod dude so hey dude i really appreciate it i mean like dude when i saw your podcast and your twitter page pop up on mine i was like dude this is a perfect i just love the name and the logo and the professional look you provided so talking baseball with you is a no-brainer for me and all of a sudden we connect and we're, we're now like you know brennan and dale from Step Brothers. we're best yeah, friends buddy. <laughs> dude we just become best friends let's after this we'll yep. watch some cops man <laughs> dude, we yeah get dude. Done, brother dude well let's do get karate it. in the garage dude yeah oh shoot have to man i'm a black belt did you not know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah man dude okay so let's let's get into this man so the first thing i want to go over is like this so this Cubs team, dude, has so many, like, dynamic players to it, man. Guys that can do so much stuff, guys that have done so much stuff, so much potential, potential that we've already seen and potential that we haven't seen yet. So, like, in 2016, the Cubs World Series victory, dude, Chris Bryant was the guy, man. He won an MVP, dude, had, like, a 950 OPS, like, really just dominated the league, man. Was a consistent hitter. He was a guy that could get on base. He improved his... um his eye at the plate so much from his rookie season. And then in 2017, obviously he didn't make as much of an impact, but in my eyes, like 2017 was like kind of like Wilson Contreras coming out of the woodwork and proving that he had a very destructive bat, um, proving like his defensive abilities, the arm he had. And then in 2018, like we saw Javi Baez, dude, when when Anthony Rizzo kind of had a slow first half and Chris Bryant was hurt. Javi Baez did what I think Joe Madden and what every Cubs fan thought he could do because when Joe Madden coaches Javi Baez, Javi's a wild dude. On the diamond, he's a loose cannon, whether he's running, defending, no matter what it is. And Joe Madden would always make it a point to say, I never want to coach that aggressiveness out of Javi Baez. And damn it, we saw that in 2018 because what Javi did was unreal, dude. His ability to play gold glove defense with MVP offense was wild. But now in 2019, I'm looking at this going, dude, do the Cubs, who's going to be the guy that's going to stand out in 2019, man? Who do you think, Kyle, is going to stand out in 2019 for the Chicago Cubs? You know, everybody you just mentioned – 
broke out at that time. You know, I think in 2019, it's going to be a very telling year for a lot of guys now that that Cubs young core is up. They've had some time to put together a resume, and I think we're going to see if guys are going to take that extra leap like the Cubs project them to. Like you said, 2016, Chris Bryant. 2017, Contreras. 2018 was the year for Javier Baez, and Baez was such a prime example of that, and I really think we are going to see a breakout year from the one, the only, Kyle Schwarber. And that might be a cliche pick just because a lot of fans have been waiting for him to break out. But look, this is a guy that has too good of a bat to not show for it. Schwarber's not going to be a guy who's going to wow you on the batting average. And I don't think he's ever supposed to be in that role. He's never going to do that. But I think if Schwarber can hit 260, 270 with 25 to 35 home runs, look, in 2017, he hit 30 home runs and he was sent down to the minor leagues, a minor leaguer hitting 30 home runs in the big leagues. Like, that, you know you're doing something right on the bat side. Uh, but if you're looking at Kyle Schwarber, you're looking at a really crucial piece in this Cubs lineup if he can do that. Consistently 260, 270, 25, 35 home runs, whatever. And on the flip side, Schwarber's in the best shape of his life right now. And I think last year his defense replicated just that. It did 100%. And when you saw Kyle play his defense out in left field compared to previous seasons, and like last offseason, dude, we saw the grind that he put in to get in shape, to develop quickness, to make sure that his knee could handle all of those side movements of the outfield. And I look at Kyle and I say, well, he's got an unbelievably quick bat and he's got power. But when you look at a guy that puts in that type of work, I mean, a lot of times when you look at baseball players on the outside, you're like, well, this isn't football or basketball, so you don't have to put in that type of work. But Kyle Schwarber put in the work in the offseason that was like what a football player would do, developing like all this quickness and doing these drills and all that stuff. And, dude, I love what you just said with Schwarber, man, because his ability to put in the work, dude, it's off the charts, man, as far as how far he works, how hard he works. Yeah. I mean, like you just said, I mean, he is such a hard worker. I mean – he didn't have to get in the best shape of his life. He could have been content, but he wasn't. And he stayed motivated. He got in the best shape of his life. And I think he's really going to benefit from that because, look, he's still young. He just got engaged, too. So he has so much life and so much baseball life, too, to really benefit from. And I think we haven't seen the best of Kyle Schwarber yet as far as average-wise. And I think he still has more power to show. He absolutely does. Like you said it, man, young kids. And one of the things that's so impressive about this Cubs team is you look at like, oh, they won 95 games last year. and But hold up, they won 95 games last year and so much went wrong. And this is still only two years from when these young Cubs broke a 108-year curse. And no matter what's happened, it's beyond impressive that all of these young kids can deal with it, can deal with being on this big stage of winning this, the most meaningful World Series that anyone will ever see in their lifetime, making all of this money and having all of this change and to still come out and work hard and not get in the dumps and not shit the bed, but continue to work hard and do that in the face of all of these things that are going wrong, that speaks volumes to me when I look at this team as a whole. And that's part of the reason why, like, I look at this offseason, and actually, let me go ahead and ask you this question, man. This isn't really, I don't know what order this is going to go in, but one of the things I had sent you was, um, we've got this quiet offseason with Theo Epstein. The only guy that's been added is like Daniel Descalso, and you'd have to tell me who else, to be honest with you. And let me ask you this, man. Do Cubs fans really have a right to be, like, should we, should I be pissed off that the Cubs haven't made any serious offseason moves, or... Is the answer truly within this clubhouse and what Theo and Joe has? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of opinions on this, and I know the big talk of this offseason has been Bryce Harper, and I'm sure we'll get to that later on in the podcast, which I really want to share my thoughts on that. But should we be upset? I mean, I think Cubs fans have a right to be because they are in their competitive window right now. They deserve to win, and yes, Theo and the front office, the Ricketts family, they have committed to a lot of money between Lester, Darvish, Chatwood, Hayward, whoever it was, Zobris, bringing in these pieces together. But look, they pledged that 
they were going to put themselves in the best position after losing the division last this past season to go out and improve their team. And the fact that other teams like are getting Paul Goldschmidt and uh, Andrew Miller and now Yasmani Grandal and the Cubs have got Daniel Descalzo. I think for for a heart for a large market team, I think fans do have a right to be a little upset now. If you were to tell me all this in 2011, I would say we're greedy, and maybe we are because you just said 103 wins two years ago, and they they haven't really regressed. I think that they lost some key pieces from that 2016 season, but they still have their young core, and I think that they can get better from within. But only getting Daniel Descalzo in an off season where other teams around you are improving in your division. Paul Goldschmidt, you're going to see him 20 times in offseason this season. You're going to see Yasmani Grandal 20 times this season. Um, it's a little head-scratcher. So um, I think Cubs fans have a right to be, but I think we are a little spoiled, too. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I mean, I'm happy to be spoiled, man. Um, but I think you're 100% right, dude, because like I would have looked just like you from 2011 and be like, holy crap, if that's going to happen, like, I, in Theo, I trust, like, I'll blindly follow your allegiance, like, you do whatever you want, but, like, I think that's always, like, that's one of the joys of sport, man, is to watch your team, like, push and push and push, and, like, as a fan, like, I want more and more and more, and when I see, like, the Cardinals add, like, Andrew Miller and Paul Goldschmidt, I'm like, damn it, and Andrew Miller was, like, a fairly affordable pitcher, and I'm like, dude, like, we could have used that arm, man, like, we saw a lot of Andrew yeah. Miller in 2016, and it was scary, man, like, he was, he, I mean, he was the most dominant pitcher, he was the talk of the town in the 2016 postseason, um, so, but let me ask you this, so what, and we're for sure going to get to Bryce Harper, man, but kind of working towards that, dude, what do you think is kind of the reason why the Cubs are like in this sticking point right now with free agents. Like, is there any part of you that feels like the Ricketts and like upper management, like beyond Theo Epstein, like are the Cubs owners a little frustrated with Theo? Because like, for example, he spent about 186 million last year on Brandon Morrow, Tyler Chatwood and you Darvish. And Tyler Chatwood was basically ineffective the whole year. You Darvish, was injured and didn't perform when he was performing. Then Brandon Morrow got hurt towards the end of the year. Is there any sort of like maybe tension on that front with the Cubs not wanting to give Theo Epstein the ability to spend more because it hasn't worked out to this point? Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's very head scratching because you've seen Theo Epstein going out and spending a lot of money on big free agents. Right. And Ken Rosenthal of the athletic came out this past week and said that, the Cubs would really like a shot at a guy like Bryce Harper, but ownership is holding up their front, which means they aren't signing off from Theo going out to get him, which is kind of telling. Maybe there is some tension in the off the front office going on, and I'm sure this past offseason, the offseason heading into the 2018 season, I'm sure Theo would do a lot different um, in that front. Whether that's uh, – I don't think it would be more so you Darvish. I think you Darvish is fine. I think he just had a disappointing season, uh, one year out of a six-year contract. You can't really tell um, or give worth to that contract yet, but I think that you Darvish will perform at uh, above average level. Uh, but I think Morrow and Catwood, and, and, and in honesty, like Brandon Morrow was good last year when he was used, but the dude gets injured more often than not. So I think he would do a few things different from this past offseason. Uh, maybe the Hayward deal too. Who knows? I, I, it's interesting, man. I, I don't know what's happening in that front office, but I would love to hear what it, what's going on. Yeah, dude. And I go back and forth on that Hayward deal because I, I felt like this after we won the world series and I still feel like that now, like kind of like what you said, man, I get spoiled and part of me will sit back and say, Hayward, like what a waste of money. But when I think logically and like a normal human being, like I really think Hayward was needed for that 2016 World Series. But I wonder when does it come to the point, and this is what I want your opinion on as well, does it ever come to the point where, because the Cubs have all these young guns who have a ton of potential like Albert, Ian Happ, and all these guys, is there any circumstance where you would see the Cubs unloading Jason Hayward and attaching a few younger controllable guys to Jason to move his contract and get him out. 
Yeah, I mean, there is some absolute positivity in that statement. I mean, there. the thing with Jason Hayward is his contract is holding him up from being moved. And if the Cubs need to free up money, I think that would be your first starting piece is Jason Hayward and moving him. But where do you move him to? Well, there's one per, there's one team in the MLB that he does really well against and at their home field, and that's AT&T Park with the San Francisco Giants. So, uh, I mean, man, if, if Theo can I – think I think it's becoming more of a reality of moving Jason Hayward at some point because when Jason Hayward signed, nobody expected him to hit 230, hit 240, uh, and he was going to opt out after his third year, which would be now. But obviously he's not going to opt out because – why would he? He's betting on himself for a guy who's kind of had a rough go the past few seasons. But honestly, last year, Jason Hayward was an average, maybe an above average, just a tad bit player. So he wasn't as bad as the 2016 season. He's improving, but not at the uh, ability that Theo thought that was coming to Chicago. So, I mean, yeah, man, I mean, he could get moved. It's just, Who's going to take him at this point? You know, that's a really good take, though, on that uh, San Francisco Giants move because the Giants are kind of in a situation where their payroll super high because from those like, three World Series titles they won, and they kind of have all these aging stars. And I think I'm pretty sure they have a super depleted farm system where they don't have a lot of young, controllable guys that can actually perform. And I really do believe that if you were to give maybe a guy like Albert Amora or Ian Happ um, the ability to play every single day, you might see a super productive player in there um, because I know Ian Happ like, has the ability to play the infield because he was, I think he came up as a second baseman, but Joe's put him out in the outfield and nobody, I feel like, runs harder in the outfield than what Ian Happ does. Like He just gives it all when he's out in the field and I feel like Ian could cover some ground in the outfield at AT&T Park as well. Um, so, dude, I, I love that thought, man, because I could totally see that happening. And still, that would sort of be a win-win because if the Cubs in the future, maybe if Kyle Schwarber is going to be your left fielder, um, and then you've got David Bodie as well who could come in and play third, and then Chris could go out play in the outfield. There's for sure, I think, some moves that the Cubs could make, man. Um, okay, let me ask you this, dude. This is the question I want to ask you more than anything, man. Bryce Harper. Um, should I ask you, dude, should I ask you a question or should I just let you go? Because I want to think, cause nobody eat, breathes and sleeps Cubs baseball more than you do. And I know you've thought about this all the time. So just give me, what do you think of Bryce Harper? Do you like him playing in Chicago? Do you like the thought of maybe having him for a 10 year deal? Just tell me what you think, my man. Yeah, man. I mean, there's been so much talk about the Cubs not having money this offseason, and rightfully so, because like we said before, they have committed a lot of money to different people. It comes down to this. Look, man, I mean, either a team like the Cubs don't have money or you have money and you don't want to spend it because you don't see value in a guy like Bryce Harper, who's valued at north of $200 million or breaking that $300 million mark. And it's easy for me to say because it's not my money and I'm not the one committing to it, but Bryce Harper is worth just that the revenue he brings in the tv ratings everything he would be someone to go see at wrigley field a team with all stars already on top of that you have every baseball aspect that comes with them you got the swagger you have the grit and you have the passion which complements guys like Baez and Contreras so well a guy who plays with fire on the field I could not love the thought of the Cubs signing Bryce Harper any more than I already do I mean I've been talking and thinking about this for two years now, and so many Cubs fans have been waiting for this moment. But but baseball is a business, and I'll break down the reality of it. The MLB has a certain amount of money each year every team has to stay under, and it's called the tax threshold amount, the luxury tax threshold amount. In 2019, teams have to have their team salary under $206 million. And if not, and a team goes over that amount, there will be penalties depending on which tier you go over. You get taxed a certain percentage of amount, you go over that $206 million, and your top draft pick for your following season gets bumped down 10 spots, which in reality, when your team and your competitive window, that draft pick should never matter whatsoever. Because in baseball, like we said, to start off this podcast, and how it works, you may never see that draft pack. And if you do, it's not going to be years to come. So the Cubs right now are well over that luxury tax amount. That's set for 2019, which is, again, $206 million. 
the Cubs payroll for 2019 with all the arbitration players settled is around $225 million, which they actually saved some money in their arbitration hearing this past week. Uh, the big one being Javier Baez. They saved around 2 or $3 million. So if the Cubs were to go out and get a guy like Bryce Harper, they would be well over the top tier luxury tax and all those penalties, like I mentioned, being, packed, being taxed, the draft pick being knocked down, were to happen. Now let me put this into perspective a little bit for Quentin and anybody listening. In 2018, the Red Sox had one of the worst offenses in 2017. They went out, spent big that offseason to get their slugger, J.D. Martinez. You know what happened? He went absolutely off, hitting 43 home runs and 130 RBIs. Now the Red Sox went over that top-tier luxury tax amount to get J.D. Martinez, so they had to pay an extra $12 million in a result of that penalty. But that $12 million that they had to pay doesn't look nearly as bad when you're hosting a World Series trophy, which they did last season. So let's not forget that the Cubs have around $50 million coming off the books next season in 2020. So if they are restraining themselves from getting Bryce Harper because they are worried about going over that luxury tax for one year, I think that would be absolutely wrong of them to do. Where I lie on this, Quentin, Look, do I think the Cubs need Bryce Harper to be a contender in 2019 like other teams do? Absolutely not. Do I think the Cubs have some serious improvements from within and can make those? Yes. But do I think the Cubs would be making a big mistake and not making a case for pursuing Bryce Harper 100%? Players like Bryce Harper don't hit the market that often. And for somebody that likes Chicago as much as he says he does, the friendship he has with Chris Bryant, hell, I would have a contract to him in a blink of an eye. Now, in reality, who knows? Theo could absolutely be playing a poker face right now with the whole money situation and giving other teams that wrong impression because reports came out that the Cubs did sit down with Harper's agent, Scott Boris, for three hours during the winter meetings and said basically this, before Harper signs anywhere, check in with us beforehand. So that right there is telling me that Theo needs to get a little creative to move some money off the books before getting that okay from Cubs owner Tom Ricketts to seriously pursue Bryce Harper with a nice dollar amount because that rumor around Harper and the Cubs right now that, like I said before, Ken Rosenthal retweeted that they would really like a shot at Bryce but ownership is not signing off. So something seems a little fishy right now. Either Theo wants to get Harper, but the Ricketts aren't letting him. The Cubs don't simply have money, or they are giving teams the wrong impression of being a sleeper in disguise. So, Quinton, I don't know where you stand on this, but I will let you guys be the judge. I just told you probably five minutes of what I just thought. But, <laughs> man, having Bryce Harper at Wrigley Field in 2019, hitting bombs in a lineup filled with – you start off with, Ben Zovers, then you go Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, and Wilson Contreras. Feed it to me, inject it to my veins. Come on, Theo, let's go. Dude, I love it, man. Inject it straight in the veins, dude. Because, like, I look at Harper, dude. I love everything that you just said, and I agree with it all, dude. Because, one, from, like, a revenue standpoint, yeah, dude, you're going to be, like, spending so much money and just blowing this luxury tax out the window. But the when Bryce Harper, as a Washington National, that value of the Nationals increased so much with Bryce Harper. And Bryce Harper is the biggest superstar in Major League Baseball. So you're talking about ticket sales, merch sales, when these TV deals go through because the Cubs are like working on their own network. I truly believe that that return on investment, it's there 100%. Now, I think a lot of guys are like scratching their heads, man, like a lot of fans, right? will say, well, why would I spend $350 million to four on Bryce Harper? Because I could get all these little pieces, right? Okay, fair. H here's my comment on that. One, I don't worry at all about signing Bryce Harper for a 10-year contract. He's not Robinson Cano. He's not Albert Pujols. He's like Alex Rodriguez, man, because he's coming to free agency at 26 years old. So you could sign Bryce for a 10-year contract and get your money's worth. And it's not only because of the superstar appeal, because I feel like baseball, as far as having this like transcending superstar who can go beyond the sport, part of me feels like that the only guy in Major League Baseball that fits that bill is Bryce Harper. Because people know Bryce Harper and like they don't even know baseball. And they're like, oh, damn, I know Bryce Harper, right? But when I look at Bryce in a Major League Baseball lineup, 
no matter where he's at in the lineup, even when last year he was batting like 220 and striking out when he shouldn't, I don't believe there's a player in baseball that can affect a whole entire lineup like Bryce Harper can. His his impact is so intense. His ability to cause destruction when he swings a baseball, that gets in the pitcher's head. And because you know that about Bryce, where he's at in the order, second, third, or fourth, or whatever, that gets in the pitcher's head. And the pitcher at that point has to treat the whole lineup different. And that's what I feel like with Bryce Harper is he's the most impactful hitter in a major league baseball lineup as far as shaking the pitcher, having the pitcher possibly go off of his game plan and just simply getting shook, but also how that pitcher has to pitch every other batter because pitchers are truly afraid of Bryce Harper. Like if you look at a hitter, Dude, you posted like three weeks ago about Barry Bonds' cartoonish stats. Like Barry Bonds, dude, he had 73 home runs and then hit a 370 average the next season to take a batting title. If there's one player in Major League Baseball right now who gets the Barry Bonds treatment, it's Bryce Harper because he gets walked so damn much. And Bryce Harper's numbers, they suffered last year. But I believe that his numbers suffered because he was getting walked so much Pitchers didn't want to pitch to him, so he was like – he was pressing, man. He wanted to do yeah. damage. Like, it's in his instincts, dude. Bryce Harper is not a timid guy. Bryce Harper charged the mound and threw punches at Hunter Strickland because that's who Harper is. So you try telling Bryce to go up there and take a walk three times a game. That shit's not going to happen, man. He's built to destroy baseballs. So I'm fully on board with a 10-year deal for Harper – his numbers don't scare me because oftentimes people say, oh, well, he's up and down and this and that. Bro, Bryce Harper's been Bryce Harper since 2011, and he will affect a lineup like no other player, dude. I'd sign him, man. No question. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, the, the scary part about it is you just talked about him not getting pitched to in a Nationals lineup. Can you imagine if he joined a Cubs team? He's going to be straight in that lineup, right in the middle of it, the meat of the order. So the pitchers are going to have to face Ben Zobris, Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras to start off. That's your top six. You got to pick your poison. Who are you pitching to? You're going to pitch to Ben Zobris and then Chris Bryant and then not pitch to Bryce Harper. Those are three <laughs> guys that can easily get on base for yeah. Anthony Rizzo to clean it up. So, I mean, dude, there's just so much to go on with this Cubs lineup if Bryce Harper or whatever to happen. So I don't know what's going to happen, man, but I'm all here for it. And Bob Nightingale has just tweeted out and has reported that Bryce Harper did meet with the Phillies for five hours on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So they, they look like they're the clean favorite right now. So I don't know what's going to happen. I know the Phillies have a lot of money they can throw at Bryce Harper. And it's going to be interesting. Does, does Bryce Harper, he's, he's going to have that John Lester effect to the Phillies in 2015, like he did with the Cubs this pet, this yeah. next season. So he could be the X factor for that team. I don't think he will be an X factor for the Cubs succeeding. I think he's just going to build on that success. So it's going to be interesting. Does he take the money or does he take winning now? Who knows? See, that's what I was going to ask you, man, because I'm looking at Bryce Harper and I'm wondering if Bryce Harper's is if he would just take the most money. And realistically, I would say the Phillies would probably offer more years and more money than any team. Do you think Bryce Harper's like an automatic give me the most money and that's where I'll go? Or do you think there's part of it that's like maybe that's not what I care about the most? Yeah, it's it's a definitely an interesting thing to think about because look his agent is scott boris the yeah. donald trump of baseball yeah. man he is a money sucker so it depends i think that bryce harper really wants to win but i think that money is a huge part of it too so um if you're a cubs fan i think you're rooting on the philadelphia phillies beating out the white Sox for the Manny machado uh case right now but so the cubs chances of getting bryce harper increased just a tad so it's going to be interesting to see it, how, how it all plays out. But I do think that if Washington were to re-sign Bryce Harper and he goes back there, I think it would be a boring outcome. Oh, yeah. I for sure want him on a new uniform. I want him in a Cubs uniform just so I can sport a Cubs Bryce Harper jersey. Like, that's all I yeah. want in my life, man. But what's crazy about Harper, dude, you just went into, like, what the lineup would do, right, if Bryce Harper was in it and how pitchers would pitch this lineup, right? It would be the hardest thing to do in all of baseball. Check this out, dude. So if Bryce Harper 
dude is not even a Chicago Cub. You take him out of the equation. The Cubs right now, I truly believe, coming into 2019, have three MVP candidates. Before Chris Bryant got hurt, he was doing what he always does, man. 900-plus OPS, slugging, getting on base, taking his walks, the whole nine. Javi Baez did Javi Baez things. We know what he did. And what's crazy, and I found these numbers like uh, yesterday, I think, dude, because Anthony Rizzo, if you look on the back of his baseball card, it's it's pretty typical, man. Like he still didn't hit more than 32 home runs, and because he slumped so much, he batted like 270 or 280 with like 25 home runs, right? Anthony Rizzo had a weird season last year. But check this out, dude. Anthony Rizzo's second half, he had a 420 on base. He batted 329 in the second half and slugged 550. His weighted runs created plus was fourth in the National League and seventh in all of baseball. So if I'm looking into 2019 and I'm saying, well, I know Bryant can win an MVP because in my eyes, Chris Bryant is the Mike Trout of the National League. He's consistent. He's going to come out. He's going to turn in like a seven or eight war, high batting average, the whole nine. And then Javi Baez, we just saw what he did. But sneaky in there is Rizzo's second half. And I'm like, damn, if you got these three guys that are on coming into 2019, yeah, what you said, the Cubs don't need Bryce Harper. But if the Cubs will just spend this year, and I don't remember what the number was that you just said, but they're going to have payroll relief after the 2019 season. Let me ask you this, man. Is there any chance that the Cubs go ahead and sign Bryce Harper without possibly moving like a Jason Hayward type contract? And maybe couldn't they just worry about that next year and just move contracts yeah, in mean, the offseason? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, they have 50 or $60 million coming off the books next year with Ben Zobris. Uh, leaving the Cubs in his contract up. So I think that they uh, have a lot of money and they could sign Bryce Harper to go over that luxury tax for one season. And they could very well not even have to move a Hayward player, but I think that the outfield would be way too plagued. And I think you're having young guys who aren't getting the playing time that they deserve in their, in their point in their careers, like Albert Elmore and Ian Happ. I think they deserve playing time. And I think at yeah. some point, if you have all these stars on your team you need to trade them and maybe you trade a guy like Ian Happ or Albert Elmore if you have Hayward and Bryce Harper in your everyday lineup in your everyday outfield you trade them for some bullpen pieces because the bullpen right now is a very large concern for the Cubs with uh, Brandon Morrow missing the first start of the season so I mean look dude it's very well could happen um, but I think if the Cubs were to get a guy like Bryce Harper, they would definitely move some pieces. Yeah, and I think I would be okay with that, dude. Like, I would be so sad yeah, oh, to yeah. see him go. But, like, if you got Bryce Harper, it seems like you could easily ship, like, Jason Hayward along with, like, Ian Happ, Albert Almora, and whoever else you might have. Like, low-key, I don't know. Let me ask you this, man. What is, what's David Bodie doing this coming up season on the Cubs? Like, do you think he'll be an everyday <laughs> player? And I didn't list this in our notes. But, um, like, what yeah. do you think the Cubs no, are yeah. going to do with Bodie? Like, do you think he's a piece they could move? What do you like about Bodie? What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that David Bodie will not go anywhere. The reason of this being, I think that him and Ian Happ are very similar to me because this Ian Happ came up as a second baseman, right? So he is a true-born infielder, but he's been used in center field a lot, quite a lot. So um, this next spring training so in a few months next month uh madden has said he's said out in the public that he's going to give david Bodie some innings in the outfield so um just so you know madden is a guy that loves versatility and if you can play the infield and outfield you're going to fit better in this cubs lineup so i think david Bodie's role will be kind of like a ben zobris role when ben zobris's contract is up after this this upcoming season. So um, I think Ian Happ, he, him and Ian Happ will share the same role, kind of spot start. If a guy goes out, you're going to see him in the everyday lineup, just like he did with Chris Bryant, a guy that plays, he, dude, look, I mean, the, the thought of it is, is David Bodie six years in the minor leagues, finally got his shot filling in the role for Chris Bryant, an MVP world series rookie of the year type caliber player. And he was an above average player. He played above average defense at third base and he came through so much for this Cubs team. And obviously at some point pitchers are going to figure him out. And they did last year because he struck out a tremendous 
um, amount down the stretch. But I think you're going to see him in a utility role now that he's going to get some innings in the outfield. So it should, that's that's another thing that you should watch for in spring training is David Bodie getting innings in the outfield and how he really reacts. Yeah, dude, because I'm super um... – Dude, I love David Bodie, man. Like when he, um, dude, the walk off grand slam on Sunday night baseball was huge. And honestly, I just love his story, dude. Like what you had talked about at the beginning of the show about like guys having to go to the minor leagues. And it's not like other sports where like you're all of a sudden with the team. And there's something to be said about a dude that will hang out in the minor leagues for six years. And it's that type of grit, dude, that I want on my team. And on top of that, like, when you had mentioned like the strikeouts and stuff, I look at that stuff and like, I'm so excited to see how David Bodie handles this challenge next season because we know he's a grinder and we know he's a worker. And honestly, you've got to be like a phenomenal dude mentally to keep doing that and come out and succeed, dude. I love Bodie's story, man, dude. I love the guy. I think he's super positive. I thought it was honestly like I was super pissed when David Bodie like apologized for his bat flip when he hit the grand slam. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, David Bodie's a thoughtful dude. Like that's, I want that guy in my clubhouse, man. He seems like a selfless guy. He would do anything that he had to do to help the team. And I love that mentality, man. And on top of that, dude, I read an article a few days ago, like apparently his exit velocity in the minor leagues was oh, like yeah. top tier, dude. They said last season in the second half, I wrote it down somewhere if I could find it, but last season in the second half, any hitters that had a minimum that had a minimum of a hundred batted ball events. So basically, if you'd hit a ball a hundred times, his average exit velocity was higher than JD Martinez's and Chris Davis's of the Oakland Athletics. Those are the two guys that led the league in home runs. So I'm looking at Bodie going. Well, we know the Chili Davis experiment probably didn't work so well because one of the things that hurt David Bodie last year, his ground ball rate was too high. It was like 58%. And the dude that the Cubs just hired for the uh, hitting coach, man, Anthony Iaposi, dude, when he was with the Rangers, they finished like fourth in home runs and fifth in runs scored. That Rangers offense did, even though the Rangers just suck because they don't have any pitching. But um, I got a lot of faith, like, in this new hitting coach when I'm looking at, like, holy crap, like, what he's done. Like, he's got an ability to, like, create runs and yeah. really get power out of guys. And I'm looking at this Anthony Iaposi combination with David Bodie going, well, damn, Bodie had a ground ball problem last year, but um, his exit velocity is, like, super high. So I'm looking at this going, dude, this could be a good match for Bodie, man, because he's going to have, like, a guy in his corner that's, you know, had proven success with hitters, and Bodie's that type of guy that really doesn't have an ego. I feel like he's a he's a sponge, man. He's, like, ready to take it all in, dude. So I love yeah. that, man. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about Anthony Iposi. I mean, he was with the Cubs organization from 2012, from two th- two, 2015. So he has Ooh. familiar with guys like Bodie, That's Bryant, huge. all those young players. So he was their minor league hitting coordinator. So uh, just having that familiarity with the young core, he's very well respected. Different approach than Chili Davis. New school rather than old school. And like you said, the launch angle was something that Anthony Iposi really took pride in. And it's going to be exciting for a team that, really took their slugging numbers a step back last season. Um, it should be nice to have that fresh breath of air and get rejuvenated. Yeah, because I look, I see what Chili Davis was trying to do last year because there's a lot of talk, like, is launch angle the way to go? Like, you know, maybe people need to hit more singles. And I've been obviously an advocate for guys, you know, situational hitting more, putting the ball on the ground and trying to get singles. But it almost looks like, what Chili Davis was trying to do last year almost proves that you kind of have to put the ball in the air and play to launch angle because with, you know, defensive shifts and all of the data that these teams have on, like, where players are going to hit the ball, I guess you really just have to get down to the launch angle, which is part of the reason, like, I kind of expect this Cubs team to just go back to where they were offensively in 16 and 17 because you know they tried something new and it just didn't work and I get it man like I love line drives sometimes I'll even get frustrated with guys when I feel like a single would do the job but they put the ball in the air but I guess with defensive data man you've just got to put that ball in the air 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's an awesome stat from Anthony Iaposi because if the Cubs didn't do it enough with Chili Davis, you're getting a guy with Iaposi for the Rangers. Rangers hitters last year placed 10th in the MLB in barrels slash plate appearance in 2018 at 4.7%. Can you tell me a Rangers power hitter other than maybe uh, Joey Gallo? I really can't. I mean, they placed 10th in the MLB. So now that he's coming over to the Cubs, and just in 2017, they placed second in the MLB under Iaposi at 4.8%. So you're coming over to, if you're Iaposi, you're coming to a very sluggish Cubs team that's looking to get their power numbers back, and you're right in the middle. So launch angle and execution uh, with the talent that they have on the field is going to be crucial. Dude, they could really, like, sock some home runs because if you start at the top, like, Ian Happ, his rookie season, hit 21 home runs, and he wasn't an everyday player. Javi, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, like, there are a lot of guys on this team that have 30 home run potential. So, I know last season, uh, the Texas Rangers set the record. They had nine guys hit 17 home runs or more, and that was a major league record. I wouldn't be surprised if this Cubs team beats that record because there's so many guys on this team that have power. They just have to hit for it and hit efficiently for it. So um, that's huge, man. Those Texas Rangers numbers sound like phenomenal because, dude, I only know Joey Gallo. I couldn't tell you anyone else. So it sounds like he just did a bunch of damage in Texas with like a bunch of no-name dudes who could bench press 300 pounds. And it's like, let's hit some balls, man. That's wild. Yeah, man. I mean, it's very intriguing. And now that he's coming over to the Cubs, uh, it's even a little more intriguing now. Dude, okay. So, um, last thing I want to get into, man, I want to talk about the starting rotation. Um, boy, I don't even know where to start, man. I guess I want to start with you, Darvish, man. Um, his steamer projection has you, Darvish, going 139 innings with a 375 ERA and 157 strikeouts. So 157 strikeouts and 139 innings and a respectable ERA, but only 139 innings. Let me ask you this, man. What do you think you Darvish is going to do? Do you think he'll pitch better than he's projected to go? You know, I'm going to be a little pessimistic here and say that Darvish does a little worse than his projections. And why I say that is because anything that he exceeds will make me happy and maybe other fans too. So you expect a little bad from a guy who's coming off an unexpected season, an injury-plagued season, and any good that he does, you become happy with. And I'll be happy or satisfied with 145-inning season, 3.9, 4.2 ERA, somewhere in that ballpark with 140 strikeouts. And anything better than that, I will be okay with, as he is the Cubs' fifth starter, I would think, on this rotation. Yeah. And we're talking about a team that has you Darvish as their fifth starter, and it's pretty crazy to think. So anything, I think... A little pessimistic here, but I think he does a little worse than his projections. But anything that he exceeds will obviously make me happy. Yeah, because if he can pitch to like a four earned run average and get like 130 to 150 innings, I mean, I would like to see him pitch more than 139. Like in my head, like if he could go 150, like I would be cool with it. But I also wouldn't be surprised because this Cubs team – I mean, they kind they have seven guys that can start. Like when you factor oh, yeah. in like Mike Montgomery back, who was a productive starter last year, and then like Tyler Chatwood, which so help me God, he throws a baseball like a wiffle ball, and if he could reel <laughs> that in, it's nuts to look at Tyler Chatwood and how many guys he walked, but like how many runs he still prevented. And I'm like, dude, like he could be really good if he'd get his stuff together, man. It's wild, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he dude, played with a lot of fire last dude, year. Dude, he did. I did the when I went to Wrigley, man. For I, I, we were there two games. I think last summer, and one of the games is where he pitched, dude. And I could tell, dude, that guy was determined, man. I don't believe for a second, like he was down on himself. He didn't look like he was out there ready to quit, man. And it goes back to like you know what I was saying about Bodie being in the minors for so long, dude. I think Tyler Chatwood's kind of that guy. Like I've made fun of him. For walking so many guys. Like, have I tweeted he walks more people than a crossing guard? Yeah, probably so. (laughs) But, like, dude, like, he didn't – his demeanor, man, he looked determined, dude. He didn't look down on himself. He didn't look upset. He's not a quitter. Um, But, yeah, dude, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I could totally see – I agree with what you said, man. If you, Darvish, can just be somewhat productive, um, I think his storyline, personally, is, like, one of – 
my favorites, possibly like of 2019, man, because like to me, one of the greatest things in sports, man, and we see it like in every sports movie is when you've got like an athlete who's not supposed to do something because he's failed, because he's in the dumps, because nobody thinks he can do it, and then all of a sudden he does it. Like, I really, really hope that's the case with you, Darvish. Like, I could see you, Darvish, like, pickling the beast. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is his, like, Benny the Jet Rodriguez moment where it's like, hey, like, I'm going to do something that everyone thinks I can't do. And, and if we could – dude, I just – I want him to do so good – but just mentally, man, like he kind of scares me a little bit because I know he's been yeah. through so much. But like me personally, man, I think he can match that steamer projection. I don't think he'll have an ERA above four. And here's why, man, because um, what you said totally makes sense. So like, I'm not saying like you're wrong, but when you Darvish. OK, so he had he had a really good season where he struck out like 277 guys. And then the next season, like, he had Tommy John surgery, so he didn't play a full season. Then the next season, he came back from Tommy John surgery, pitched another half a season, so he had, like, an oddball year. And then in 2017, he had to deal with the trade halfway through the season. So, like, my old-style beer, the beer's half-full mentality with you, Darvish is he could possibly be better than his projections just because – he hasn't had a steady season. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. like since Tommy John, like he hasn't had anything consistent. Like they cut his elbow open, so he pitched half a year and then pitched half a year and then got traded and then went to the Cubs and like had all these expectations of a $126 million contract and then had to get his elbow cut open again. And I'm like – dude, maybe there's something to this, man. Because, like, I think of myself is I always try to put, um, like, sports stuff into, like, normal people's terms. And a lot of times – and I'm not saying you did this, man, because if he if he does what you said he does, he's great, dude. So, like, to lend and to add credibility to, like, what you said, I think he can be productive because somewhere along the lines, dude, us as fans, we expect athletes – to be immune to like normal people's shit, right? Like when I went back to work, like after the holidays this past year, like I didn't want to do shit, man. I had been binging (laughs) Netflix and drinking beers at 3 p.m. all day. So all of a sudden I had to go to work and I can't wear pajamas and watch the office reruns all day. Dude, I'm not about that, man. Like, so the work I did after the holidays, like it all sucked ass, dude. I'm building these marketing campaigns and like they're garbage. And like, so... Like, I look at you, Darvish, and, like, any other athlete, and I'm like, dude, people that, like, shit on you, Darvish, and say he can't pitch well, like, even – and, like I said, dude, to steer back on this, man, your pessimistic approach to you, Darvish, is still very productive for a pitcher, man, because if you yeah. can pitch to a four-earned run average, you, dude, that's good, man. Like, that's good because that tells me you can go out because if a pitcher pitches a quality start – that is a four-and-a-half earned run average, which is five innings of three earned runs or less. And if he can go out there, and if a guy's got a four-earned run average, he can give me quality starts at that point. And I think that he can totally do that because he's been through just so much like uncertainty. Like at one point before he signed with the Cubs, after his Dodgers debacle, he was thinking about retirement, like serious retirement. So I know, like, there was a lot there with, like, just this isn't working, man. Like, I can't pitch a full season. I get traded halfway through the year, and I suck. Like, um, so, man, dude, yeah, I, I like you, Darvish, man. I think he can be semi-productive, and he can give 125 innings and a four-earned run average and build his, like, confidence up for the postseason because that's what it's all about, man. You know, you can be Clayton Kershaw or whoever – and have phenomenal regular seasons. But, like, I want to know what you do in the postseason, man. Like, Jake Arrieta, and he was – his last year of a Cub was, like, 2017, right? And his regular season wasn't that good. He had an earned run average really, really high three. But, hell, when he got to the postseason, he had two starts through about 12 innings and had a low two earned run average, man. And um, I think if the Cubs can do that with you, Darvish, you know, they don't have to put you out there – and say, hey, give us 180 innings. No, because we got seven starters, man. 
And, you know, Tyler and Mike, they can pitch out of the bullpen and they can come back and start. So with the U Darvish thing, man, I'm like you, man. I like it. And if it's less than that, I think that's still a great showing for you, Darvish. Huge, bro. I'm I'm very, very much so rooted for you, Darvish, and I can't wait for him to get back in the mound. And he's Dio said he's ahead of his program, his throwing program, and he's looking great. So I'm looking forward to spring training to see him and see what he can do. All right, man. Well, I think, dude, I think we've been over everything in the world, man. Um, <laughs> A lot of info, a lot of stuff has been going on this offseason. And, and it's crazy because this is an offseason that's been so quiet. The largest signing for the Cubs has been Daniel Scalzo. And the past four offseasons, they've had that big guy that they've signed. And this year it hasn't been that so far. Will Bryce Harper beat the guy? Who knows? Well, I guess the listeners, if you're still listening, two dudes just talking baseball, <laughs> you'll have to stay tuned. You know, Dude, as soon as he signs, man, like, dude, it keeps me up at night, man. I refresh – it's because of Bryce Harper that I get zero work done at work. Like, right? I, just, I, I don't do shit, man. I'm like, what's going on in baseball? Like, I've got eight hours to refresh MLB.com as many times as I can to see what happens, dude. Um, yeah. Dude, uh, dude, well, let's wrap this thing up, man. The only thing that I didn't do, can I tell you this, man? Uh, you know how the Cubs have Brizzo? Yeah. Dude, so I thought of three new names that I'm super excited about for 2019 because like we did here. talk about. So here's what we got. So my number one is Schwatreris. Schwatreris? Schwatreris. Because Kyle Schwarber, you mentioned that Kyle Schwarber can have a good year. And then Wilson Contreras, who kind of had an off year. So I've blended, because I'm a writer, Schwatreris okay. for Schwarber like and Wilson okay. Contreras. Now, number two because we've got Ian Happ and Albert Almora, who we both think would benefit and can be really good players for the Giants or the Cubs, Hal Mora. Just a simple Hal and Almora, you'd have yep. Hal Mora. Or yep. one of my favorite ones, man, one of my favorite ones, um, because I like the way it looks on paper, is Heyody. <laughs> it sounds like Star Wars, but you've got Jason Hayward and David Bodie. You've got Heyody. So if I can end it with anything <laughs> – Hey, we're looking for Brizzo, Schwatreris, Halmora, and Heyody to make this hey. thing happen, man. Hey, what about this one? Bryce Krispies. Dude, that's the best one ever, man. I, Bryce I Krispies, remember, dude, baby. Yeah, dude, you tweeted me one day and put Bryce Krispies on there. And I was like, dude, that's the ultimate. That is the best sports nickname out of anything yeah. that's ever existed on there. Like, that's prettier than the Mona Lisa, man. Bryce Krispies, because I love the cereal. <laughs> But I also would love to see Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant. I might just move to Chicago, dude. Pack my stuff out. Bring the wife. Do it. If Bryce Harper signs with the Cubs, that's a dynasty like I have to be a part of. Like I'll quit my job. A summer and Wrigley. Dude, I'll summer beg for Wrigley. money on the side of the road. Like I'll just do whatever <laughs> I got to do, man. Like drain my 401k. Right. Dude, I honestly, what I could probably do is fake my death and get the life insurance money. <laughs> yeah. And then my wife would just be like a like a widow. And then we would take my insurance money and just be a part of the Cubs dynasty. Because as long as they don't throw me in jail for like 10 years, if I could just fulfill Bryce Harper's contract, I'll go to prison after that. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. I just like, yeah. I just want to be there to watch Bryce Harper hit day game home runs. And then Chris Bryant <laughs> hit day game home runs right after Bryce Harper just hits a home run. And I'll oh, take prison God. for it, man. I don't know if I want to be in a Cook County jail. That kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. shit, man, I'll see what happens. I might, I, yeah, I might start a GoFundMe tonight to see if we can raise uh, about $300 million yeah. to send it to Tom Ricketts, you know? Dude, ab- see if it can happen. Uh, dude, I would pitch in a significant amount on that. Like, I'd, yeah, sell my yeah. car for, I'd sell my car for it and just ride a scooter on the interstate and risk my life, man. <laughs> it tops out at 45 miles an hour. People say, are you an idiot or just trying to save the environment? I'm like, neither. I'm trying to get Bryce Harper to be a Cub, so I sold my car. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. So I'd be saving the environment. That is hilarious. Dude, what's up, dude? All right, man, we'll that let it go. Hilarious. Kyle? Again, I'm going to plug you, man. Find my boy Kyle Malzahn over on Twitter at Cubs underscore live. Also, his podcast, Cubs Live, is on iTunes, SoundCloud. And, yeah, man. Um, you have a Facebook page, too, you post on sometimes, right? Yeah. So no, look him no, up, yeah. guys. But otherwise, thank you for listening, Kyle. Thank you again thank for you so being much. on the yeah, podcast, no, man. Dude, thank you so much, man. I love talking Cubs, and I can't wait to talk more when Bryce Harper has signed. <laughs> Deal. Yeah. Come on, Theo. All right, man. Take care, guys. Have a good weekend. I appreciate it.